Uh, just try to follow it and try to keep me on. Like, if I stray too far from it, like, pull me back. Okay. So, first thing I wanted to talk about since WandaVision has officially ended. So, it was Cooper sending the messages back in time, right? <laughs> okay. We're not talking about Interstellar. <laughs> Today's episode is Tenet. And we're not there yet. So immediately after you said, try to pull me back <laughs> into where we're supposed to be talking, you, you jump into that. This Let me start. This podcast is going to be chopped up and rearranged more than the movie was. <laughs> than Tenet. So, okay, um, start so the so first thing I wanted to talk about. Oh my God. You're right. This is going to be a rough podcast. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. Today we're going to be talking about WandaVision's finale. We're going to go forward in time and then back in time and then forward in time and then back in time with Tenet. And we are going to check the results of our first ever Instagram poll. So without further ado, let's run that back. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is WandaVision, since it has now ended. Did you finish it? I did, but before we get too far, Cody. Yes. There were a couple of post credit scenes. I watched them all. Okay. I also... Including the one with Ultron. There wasn't one with Ultron. <laughs> there wasn't. There was... So, since we recorded the last one... There's been two episodes of WandaVision, one of them being the series finale, and there were post-credit scenes for both of those episodes, and I watched them all. Nice. And I and while I was watching them, I was like, he's not going to get me this time. He's not going <laughs> to get me. I've seen all of it. So uh, since WandaVision's now over, and it's been over for, by the time this comes out, almost two weeks... There's just going to be spoilers for WandaVision because I want to talk about it. <laughs> what did you think of it? Because I really, really liked it. I have like a couple like little issues with like the last episode. But overall, as a show, I really liked WandaVision. So right when it ended, I had gotten kind of caught up in the fan theories with yep. Mephisto and with... Um, you know, Paul Bettany got me with his with his comment about oh, an actor that I've always wanted to work with, who I respect a whole lot, and like it was he was talking about himself. He was. So right when it ended, I was a little disappointed, and it felt a little anticlimactic. Right. But the more I reflect on it, and the more I think back, and the more I like, because I've watched the last episode a couple of times, the more mm -hmm. um, I I'm in. I love it. It yeah. was so good. I had the same thing because a lot of people talked about how the cast decided to be to be trolls and act as if there was some big cameo at the end of the series, which maybe that'll <laughs> maybe that'll be the new technique of Marvel going forward is there will just be fake spoilers throughout like all mm -hmm. the interview runs. But Kristen and I, our, our fan theory that we really liked was that Magneto was going to show up at some point. 
I just I, I read that a few times and it, I just had a hard time figuring out where he would fit. Like the right. longer and longer it went where he wasn't showing up, it was like, okay, if he shows up now, it's How just going to be it? it's just going to be for shock value of hey, here's Magneto and they're not right. going to have time to explain anything. Where I was really feeling it was in the episode where they go back through Wanda's childhood and how she got her powers and all that kind of stuff. That's where I thought he would show up if he did. And so when he didn't show up in that episode, I was like, I kind of feel like Magneto won't be in this show. (laughs) And then, I mean, there's a few things. So you already kind of touched on there not being like a big cameo. It was, it was just Paul Bettany acting with Paul Bettany, which was a, fantastic scene vision going up against vision with just philosophy instead of actual fighting was amazing Mm -hmm. what i was going to ask is how do you feel about the other pietro quicksilver the peter peter evans is that the actor's name that he was just ralph ralph boner (laughs) and he wasn't you know it's not x-men there's it's not a crossover all that stuff I read a comment from one of the writers that made it make sense for me and mm-hmm. made it like I'm I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. That's the only actor you could have cast in that role other than Aaron Taylor Johnson. And they didn't mm-hmm. want to just bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson. They want to bring back her brother. That's the only character or actor you could have cast in that role where that put the audience literally on the same page with Wanda. Like, something's off, but this might really be Pietro. Yeah, right. And the fact that it ended up not being Pietro is almost inconsequential to that. The casting was for creating that feeling. They did bring in an X-Men crossover in some sort of way, no matter what. I mean, it was more meta than having an actual X-Men crossover. Exactly. But I think at the very least it shows that this is on Marvel's radar and right. they're not going to introduce something like that, even as a meta commentary, right? They're not going to introduce something like that without, they're not going to then pay it off 15 years from now. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it's coming. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was Agatha being amazing and Catherine Hahn being amazing and the mm-hmm. whole time we were watching the last episode, Kristen and I were just like, God, please don't kill her. Like, please have some way to bring her back in the future for anything. She's going to be the next phases Loki. Like, she's going to keep popping up and she's going to be a bad guy the whole time, but not really be a bad guy. Yeah, we can only hope. Because she was phenomenal. Wanda saying to Agatha... I know right where you are if I ever need you, was all I needed to hear. Hopefully it, it happens sooner rather than later, and if if she ended up being this phase's Loki, I, I would not want anything else. So now that you've <laughs> said that, if that doesn't happen, I pretty much can't be a fan of the MCU anymore. <laughs> That's what I feel like she's kind of being set up for, like that type of role. She's going to be a fan favorite. She's going to be involved. And she's going to always betray <laughs> Wanda. Wanda. Yeah. Any chance she can get to get those powers or whatever. Right. 
Now, the things that I didn't like that much, I I did feel like that last episode moved very quickly. Like, you know, everything that happened, would, like, needed to happen and all that stuff, but it really did feel like I wish that there was maybe even, if not 30 more minutes tacked onto the episode, another episode, to really, ha- like, have all of the action of the climax and have the time for the falling action without it feeling so fast because there were some things that just it felt like you just had to move right past it i feel like if you dwelled on it too long though it would have felt like filler i don't know it's just things like what was the name of the like ralph boner no not ralph boner (laughs) what was the name of just the evil old white dude oh i feel like it was with an h sword guy sword guy that the fact that like you know he ran in with his military did nothing and then was immediately stopped and it was just like you're going to prison now and did nothing yeah he shot at the kids and shot monica rambo yeah he shot at the kids that scene was so stupid it was just like (laughs) Look how evil I am. I shoot at kids. <laughs> like, And then he shot at the kids. It did literally nothing. And then he got stopped by Darcy. And then immediately after that, Darcy just vanished. And they were like, oh, yeah. She doesn't really like to hang around with the FBI or, or something. And it's just <laughs> like, that felt like, oh, we can't get Kat Dennings to be here today. So we'll just write up a reason why she's not here anymore. I, I need a separate show that is just Darcy and Jimmy Woo. But yes. procedural. I would love that. <laughs> I would love nothing more than that. Someone was talking to me and or talking to Kristen and then Kristen talked to me about it, that it did kind of feel like those characters, Wu, Darcy, and Monica, that while their stories were for the most part, like you know what's gonna happen next with them and everything, it did feel like theirs were kind of cut short. I don't know, it felt like, yeah, they were there so that they could be set up for future things instead of, like, being a really integral part of this. Because Monica didn't have a ton of interaction with Wanda in the end. She just jumped in front of the kids and showed that she has powers now. And then that was kind of it. You know, and then obviously we know that the next time we see Wanda... I guess I shouldn't say we know, but... The next time that we know of in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. And we got to get a quick glimpse in the after credit scene that I watched of her doing that, like, what is it called? Whatever she Astral was doing. projection. Yes. We got to see Wanda doing astral projection very easily. <laughs> it's like she was just chilling, making some tea, yeah, and also reading that book. And so I'm just really, really, really Well, just like Doctor Strange for- did in... Exactly. Except from what I read, Doctor Strange was sleeping while he did it, not making tea. So who knows? Maybe that's a reference to Wanda being more powerful. I don't know. But what I'm excited for is just seeing Wanda as the Scarlet Witch just being all out insane. Because can we talk for a second about how awesome her costume was? Her her costume was pretty awesome. Finally having like the crown and oh my God, did it look cool. It was almost as cool as the one from the Halloween episode. (laughs) What if that was just her (laughs) costume? And when Vision 
finally shows back up, it's the Vision costume from the Halloween so, episode. Do you think, I mean, stupid question, this is comic books. Well, it's movies, but it's comic books. Yeah. Do we see Vision again, or did he go to, like, destroy himself? Oh, we see Vision again. <laughs> Vision is going to show up almost completely unchanged is what I feel like is going to happen. <laughs> now, thinking about enjoying like the process of watching things and talking about them like we do with these Marvel movies, I have a memory that I want to bring up of a, a memory that I still have that I wonder if you ever have like thought about. To back when Inception first came out. That was 10 years ago. It was. Maybe a little more, because I think last year was like the 10-year anniversary. But yeah, 10 years ago. And, you know, we had seen it, I believe, separately at some point. But then after that, we were going to see it a second time. And we were with our cousins, and they hadn't seen it before. And so we all went to the movies and saw it. And I'll always remember... I don't remember this at all. We're leaving the theater, and it's me, you, and our cousins, Taylor and Madison, and we're, we loved the movie, and we're talking about it, and, oh, I didn't understand this, and what was this, and I was like, I don't know, like, like what does it mean with the top at the end spinning, and, like, it kind of wiggles, like, what is that supposed to mean? And I remember you being like, I, I have it. Like, I, I get it. I get the whole thing now. I understand it. And we were just like, really, why, why was the top, like, is he in a dream? Is he not in a dream? And you were like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're like, the point, you're like, the point of the movie is that at the end, it doesn't matter whether he's in a dream or not. It's just right. that he got to be with his kids and he doesn't care about it anymore and all that right. crap. And and we, we were just like, it was just such a fun, like, movie mm-hmm. memory. But the thing about it is that for the longest time, that was what a Christopher Nolan movie coming out was. Like, you were ready to see it and then just walk out of the theater feeling like I didn't fully understand what I just saw. (laughs) And then you, like, talk to your friends about, like, what did you think? What did you think? And then you have to see it again. And, okay, well, what now what do you think? That's the fun of of Christopher Nolan movies. And so that's why last year when it came out and like, you know, COVID and lockdown was going on, like we didn't see it in theaters. So we're a little late to the party in a way. But all that to say, we are talking about Tenet today. Before we like actually get into talking about the movie, Tenet was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It's starring John David Washington, which is kind of funny because the last movie we did had his dad, Denzel Washington, in it. And also, if you close your eyes and listen to him speak, you think it's Denzel Washington. (laughs) It also is starring our boy Robert Pattinson because we live in a twilight world. It's got Elizabeth Debicki, Kenneth Branagh, etc. Kenneth Branagh is in incredible in you everything that him. he's in you can't stop him also i'm sorry speaking of the cast blew my mind after it was over when i realized that what was his name ives mm-hmm. was, was aaron, aaron taylor, taylor johnson, johnson. <laughs> mm-hmm. so to start off actually talking about the movie i wanted to say i know that you haven't been feeling good and so it took you a little while to see the movie were you feeling good enough to <laughs> like pay attention 
<laughs> to everything that was happening. Yes. Okay. Good. 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 I I will say about three quarters of the way through, you told me, "Hey, watch with subtitles." I did. I was like, "I hope he listens." <laughs> and about three quarters of the way through, I started thinking, "I should have watched with subtitles." <laughs> But I'm I gonna... but I got it. But I but I, I may not have understood every single word of it. Right. Um. But I but I got what was going on, which is something. When Dark Knight Rises came out, before yes. they, I don't know if you ever saw the footage of before they altered Bane's voice. <laughs> no, I've heard of it. Like Bane's voice was very difficult to understand because he has and, that like respirator thing on. Right. And they said something about it to Christopher Nolan, and Christopher Nolan was like, no. That that's the point. You don't need to know every single word that he's saying to understand what what he's doing. Um, you'll get the gist, and which is why he cast Tom Hardy. <laughs> and then Warner Brothers made him change it, and they made the voice more clear and stuff like that. Which is why he sounds like an old man, old, an old gypsy man, um, in the movie. So I kind of took that with with this movie. You know, you may not need to hang on every single word, but you'll get the gist of what's going on. And boy, was I, well, I got it, but. That was what I, my next question was, scale of 1 to 10, how lost are you? With 10 being very lost. Right when the movie ended, 7. Now, I'd say 3 or 4. So like I said, I went back and I rewatched watched certain scenes and I rewatched certain things. And then I right. you know, jumped on YouTube and watched some timeline explanation videos and stuff okay well that's good so the just matt watched it very recently like this morning and he's had like a couple few hours to marinate i watched it a week ago and then also a couple days ago first time no subtitles second time very much with subtitles did the subtitles help very much to me so what are your what are your overall thoughts would you would you think of the movie I kind of want you to go first. Okay. <laughs> I liked the movie overall. Mm-hmm. I liked the the like plot, like the overall idea of all of it. Mm-hmm. I felt like the like we're gonna go more into detail into all of this, but I felt like the characters, if that's what you want to call them, <laughs> were not very. Yeah, they didn't have many emotions or personalities really there's another question did you happen to notice that cat had a son that's a joke because it's pretty much one of the only things she says throughout the (laughs) whole movie (laughs) now that was kind of that's something i didn't like was the character aspect the overall idea and the time stuff and everything my god did i love it like i feel like this movie especially tenet Everything that's good about a Nolan movie was on full display, and everything that's bad about a Nolan movie was on full display. <laughs> it was like the best of both. <laughs> so, I love Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I think that he's my favorite favorite director. I always go back yeah. and forth with him and David Fincher, but I, I, yeah, I think... It depends on who has the most recent movie. <laughs> I guess, right? But I feel like... Starting with, we'll say, I, I don't know, I guess starting with Memento. Mm-hmm. That movie was kind of a mindfuck. Yeah. And then the next one, I'm not counting the Batman movies because 
the Batman movies were more adapted and they were not necessarily, they were Nolan's take on Batman, but they weren't his, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they're probably, yeah, they're probably his most digestible movies. <laughs> yes, yes, very good, very good way of putting it. And then the next one was Prestige. Yeah. Where the twist was even more, like, mind-bending. Yes. And then next was Inception? Yeah, that's right. Again, not including the Batman movies, which was all out, what is going on? I gotta watch yes. this movie three times. Then came Interstellar, where I saw what he was trying to do. I enjoyed Interstellar, but it took me three or four watchings before I really liked it. Yeah, I want to say that outside of the Batman movies, I'm, I think Interstellar is my favorite one of his. Really? Yeah. I think The Prestige is my favorite, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like he's just trying to top himself, like, on the scale of one to your mind is completely melted. Yes. He, he did Dunkirk right after Interstellar. Yes, which... Dunkirk kind of pulled back a little bit with like the scale but did not pull back with the confusion right right because because instead of being like interstellars like all over the galaxy and through wormholes and it's all over the place and dunkirk it's like it's pretty much just this beach but you're still gonna be lost (laughs) well here the thing was was in in interstellar they explained to you hey some weird shit's gonna happen with time. Right, right, right. With Dunkirk, they didn't really explain it to you. You didn't realize until the end what was going on as far as the right. timeline goes. Well, and, and really, every movie that he makes play with time. Yes. And now this movie. So even the trailers, and, and really the first half of this movie, I was kind of thinking, like, he's gonna get to a point where it's too much. <laughs> you're... you're, you're Twisting for the sake of a twist. Kind of uh-huh. like M. Night Shyamalan got a little carried away right, right, over right. the course of his career. But oh my god, did it work. <laughs> In Tenet, you're saying. Yes. Yes. It was that's so good. That's the thing, is like the scenes where no one's talking in this movie, I think are unbelievable how awesome they are. If no one is talking, it's unbelievable. <laughs> when everyone starts talking, it starts to be difficult. I want to start, before we even talk about the actual movie, I want to start with a very simple summary. To the point that I'm going to read this and you're going to think, was that the movie that we watched? <laughs> the protagonist gets pulled into a mystery involving time travel and the end of the world. A villain wants to end the world by using technology from the future to completely reverse the flow of time, while the protagonist and his team do everything in their power to stop it. The plot is mind-bending, involving multiple rounds of going back in time, until eventually they're able to be victorious. That's what happens (laughs) from minute one to minute five million. Although I feel like... I feel like time travel is a weird way of putting it. Right. Because it makes it seem like it's like back to the future Avengers Endgame where like they just go to another point back in time. They just go through this room that reverses time. Yes. So just kind of likes and dislikes through the scene. I thought the opening scene at the opera house was amazing with not knowing anything that's going to happen for the rest of the movie. 
it's just a really well told no dialogue sequence for like five minutes Mm -hmm. and in that you get so much intrigue you get all this cool action like john david washington running across a floor and dropping and sliding under a table and then like jumping right back up that was great choreography and you get these things of like the bullet going in reverse in front of him you get to see it that first time and you're just this scene kind of starts you off with cool action that kind of gets you engaged and enough little sprinklings of what the fuck is going on right mm-hmm. now that I was just like when when the word tenet came up on the screen I was like oh we're in for it this is a Nolan <laughs> movie so I have like the the movie written out in bullet points kind of in front of me and I feel like from that opening opera scene till about 30 40 minutes into the movie the freeport airport heist thing mm-hmm. there is just dialogue explaining what to expect of the whole movie how did you feel watching that because at that point you weren't watching it with subtitles the first time i was watching it i didn't have any subtitles how do you feel through that whole thing where it was just cutting from scene to scene to scene of people talking about the backstory and like what's going on a little bit lost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but again knowing going into it that it was going to be kind of a time moving backwards thing a palindromic type of story like i knew that all these things were going to come into play in the second half of the movie so there's part of me that really wanted to catch everything right but there was also part of me that knew if i don't totally get it like something's gonna happen later that's gonna make it click right 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 you don't necessarily need to hear every single word that's said. You know, during the during the climactic scene, you realize like, oh, this is what Michael Caine was talking about. I didn't need all the dates and how many days ago and exact location to realize. Right. And so that's that's kind of a good point cuz early in the movie when our protagonist, which I keep saying that I need it name. to be pointed out. That's his name. The main character the does not have a name. He's the protagonist. I mean, if that's not Nolan just blatantly telling you, I don't give a shit about these characters. That's not the movie I'm making. I don't know what else is. <laughs> well, kind of the whole point was that it didn't matter because the less that they know about each other, the better. Right. That's what it's going for, at least. That's where the lack of character development comes from, also. It's at least an excuse for it. The scene where the protagonist gets to Michael Caine, and Michael Caine pretty much explains this is who our villain is. This is kind of his backstory. This is his estranged wife, which is the way to get through to him. All that stuff. That's where I really started feeling like I don't know what's happening in this movie. And because he, not to be like, you know, too detailed, but Michael Caine's sitting there like, oh, his name's. Andre Sator, he comes from a secret city called Stalsk 12, and in Soviet Russia, there were... And I was just like, what are all these names and places that he's saying? What you're saying is... (laughs) You just sat back and you said, I don't know what the hell's going on. (laughs) We'll see if I figure it out eventually. But but good old Nolan's gonna show me. (laughs) We got off on a bit of a tangent, but let's get back on to... You know, what do we like about the movie? And we're going to try not to jump around too much because it's already kind of a big, confusing movie. I 
already mentioned that I loved the opera scene. What did you think about it? Did you also feel that like intrigue at the beginning? I did. I mean, it's hard to. All I could think of was the the Joker bank heist heist yeah. scene. Yeah. Where it was like we're gonna get this big badass opening to the movie, and it's gonna be like ten minutes long or whatever it is, and then right. we're gonna kind of roll into the narrative. And obviously, this had, was a little bit more important to the story than the Joker bank heist scene was. But that's kind of what it was. It was a big badass action set piece. <laughs> yes. Uh, that set the tone for the rest of the movie and, right. and got you going. <laughs> right. Moving through all the freaking exposition, you get to that airport sequence where <laughs> where they crash a full-size airplane into a building. And this is Christopher Nolan, so it is done for real. With no visual effects. Yeah, no visual effects. There's a scene where Robert Pattinson's character, Neil expresses let's do this let's run a plane into a building and explode it and stuff that i feel like was just nolan talking to the studio and then they just put that into the script (laughs) he's like i want to crash a plane and the protagonist like you want to crash a plane and neil's like not from the air don't be so dramatic like (laughs) driving on the tarmac (laughs) and i just love imagining nolan like we're crashing a plane in this movie (laughs) But that whole sequence going through the like heist, explaining how they're going to do it and then encountering the reversed person and that fight scene that was like one person moving forward and one person moving in reverse. I mean, the choreography, it was amazing because when you first see it, you're like, okay, they filmed it forward and they're just running the tape, the film backwards. Right. But then when he's fighting with someone who's moving forward, like that's not, that person is moving like that. And it really looks like he's moving backwards. I did watch the behind the scenes because I I needed to know how they filmed like the reverse stuff. Like what did they do? You know, I learned that they rigged the film camera to run the film in reverse. And then they filmed the scenes in forward motion. But then when you play the film, because it was run through reverse, it plays backwards. How's that different than running the f- playing the film backwards? The only difference that I can think of is that you don't then have to do it later. Like, you already have it on the film with the effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm guessing is in that scene, they filmed the scene forwards and reverse, and the choreography had parts where the person had to move backwards right. or forwards, and then they spliced it all together and stuff. But yeah, for real, because there were times where, like, I think it said in the behind the scenes, they had to learn the choreography in reverse, right, and forwards. I also, uh, I also was looking in the behind the scenes where they're saying anytime where you like hear them speaking. In yes. reverse, that's them actually, like, that's not them playing an audio recording in reverse. That's them actually speaking in reverse. And Kenneth Branagh had to figure out how to do it with the Russian accent. <laughs> I did read that, too. So, like I said earlier, these scenes where there's no dialogue and it's just the action playing out in front of you, I think they're all just pretty much perfect. They're all insanely good. Mm-hmm. And then what I would say is, you know, then you get into full-on plot, like crap like how he gets into contact with the villain how cat her connection with 
like a painting that the villain holds over her head. I don't even want to go into the whole painting because it's really so unnecessary to me. <laughs> I feel like it's necessary because she has to have a reason to not just leave him. Yes, but, but it is like I can't not think of very the word. substantial. That whole thing could have been trimmed down, so we don't have to get too far into it. You get, you know, how the protagonist meets up with the villain, his relationship with Cat, which a critique of the film that I've seen people talking about was like the protagonist has this like protective feeling over Cat. And like, where did that come from? People kept thinking like or saying it just felt like out of nowhere to me that it felt like all of a sudden he's just like, I got to go save her. And like, are we going to be able to save her? And like, what's going on with this? But I read, I kind of read that as she was an innocent in the whole thing. What I noticed the second time watching it with the subtitles is you have this painting that I'm not going to explain that the protagonist promises to get rid of because that's all that needs to happen for her to have her freedom with her son. And then he lies to her and says he got rid of it so that she'll help him. And really he gave it to Seder. No, he didn't give it to him. It was that Seder knows the future. Right. And so he was able to go back and take out the painting before he would have stolen it. Right. But the protagonist just decides to just lie about it. I said I didn't want to explain the painting, Matt. (laughs) So then you have this thing where she trusted him and he betrayed her to get what he needed. And they have a scene after the sailboat scene where you can't understand a fucking word anyone is saying. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene where Kat says to the protagonist... You're just going to get whatever you want. Me and my son, what happens to us? Who gives a shit, right? And he says, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to trust me going forward. And she's like, yeah, I did that once. I'm not going to do that again. And I think that what she says there actually gets through to him. And from that point on, that's when he's very much like trying to make sure that he does right by her the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that critique, maybe go back and watch the movie again. Stop critiquing it. With subtitles? Watch it with subtitles, buddy. No, I'm not going to be like outwardly mean to people like that. But <laughs> I just felt like there was an explanation in the in the movie that I wanted to talk about. I did like that that very easily could have fallen into like if this movie were made, I won't even say 10 years ago, but by someone who's not Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. that could have very easily become, oh, they're in love. And that's a Which... romantic, you know, connection, you know. Which So I thought it was cool that there wasn't really any hint of that. It, what it is, Matt, is it's that love is an emotion, and we have no time for those things in this movie. <laughs> or any that's, why there was no, that's why there was no love interest, is because there's no love. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that of Kat to her son. We move on to the highway heist, which is, in my opinion, where the movie starts. <laughs> it's where everything starts making sense. Exactly. And so then from that point on, even without subtitles, you'll at least start to understand things, I think. And so I was saying to Kristen, from that highway scene to the end, it's just such a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. I like I think I love every second of it. Mm -hmm. And that highway scene, I mean, there's cars moving in reverse. There's cars moving forwards. There's a fire truck with a ladder going across other cars like it's amazing. It really is thrilling and it leads you into the scene where you start where you get to see an actual physical visual 
working of how these machines called turnstiles make you start moving in reverse, how you can go into it and it'll reverse your flow of time. You get to really see that. I need to know. Do you understand what was happening in that scene? <laughs> car chase? After the car chase, when they go into that turnstile like room and the protagonist is on one side and the villain is on the other side and they're having a reverse conversation and a forward conversation and then did you follow all of that yeah because after the second time i found myself wondering how cat was on the reverse side and then not the forward side and then she ended up on the forward side and crap i had to watch that scene with Kristen. we went back and we watched that scene a couple times like pausing it after each moment and just watching it again and again until I finally felt like, okay, I know where everything is Mm. and why everything's happening in this scene. And I guess that kind of brings me into the sense of there's a lot of ways I've seen people criticizing that the whole time thing has like holes in it. Like there's like plot holes with how it all works. There's not really though. There's not (laughs) as far as it comes to the time stuff. There is not one issue with it from what I have been able to see. Kristen and I went through multiple scenes and went back through them to see what's happening. It all checked out. That's what's so amazing to me about it. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that it's not time travel, like back to the future, like you said, like if you want to go back in time 10 minutes, you have to go through the reverse turnstile and and wait 10 10 minutes. And now you're back 10 minutes. Right. That makes sense to me. Yeah, literally, like that final mission that was 10 yes. minutes, when yes. 10 meets okay, a 10 going backwards. Break. 10 net, I know, 10 and 10 backwards. So you felt no subtitles first run through, you breezed through that scene. No, I mean, I had to really think about it. I had to pause and like... <laughs> but that's where you really learn about these turnstiles and how you use them. And... But right, but that's what I keep saying, is like, you don't have to intimately understand every single aspect of it to realize you go through that turnstile and then you're moving backwards through time and why i liked the subtitles i'll give you a quick example is in that scene it shows them like look through the window and you see them coming out the other side because now they're moving in reverse and they go through and so i understand that you can see that happening it wasn't until i used subtitles that i learned that window is called the proving window And you look through that to make sure you see yourself coming out before you go in. Because if you don't see yourself coming out, then that means you're not coming back from this. And that's not something that's terribly important to the whole overall plot. But I like that I know that now, you know. But, you know, from here you go through them doing the airport mission again, but in reverse. reverse. And that's when you find out the guy he was fighting was, him. was himself in reverse. That was amazing. I, I kind of, like, during the, the them showing you the that first fight time. scene the first time, when Neil, Robert Pattinson's character, like, threw the guy out and then, like, looked at him and then turned around. Because you didn't get to see him when, when Neil threw him. He right. went behind a wall. At that moment, I was like, that's going to end up being... John David Washington or something like I knew that or, it, or that Neil. it meant something right 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 and I have a question for you that we feel like we have an answer to but I want to see what you say 
Why did he climb so far up the ladder before he started doing pull-ups? He could have done no. it on like the seventh rung. No. Why did no. he have to go up to like the fortieth rung? I think it's because he. It doesn't matter. <laughs> During that fight scene, when you see that airport fight scene a second time in reverse, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, it's him fighting himself. Mm-hmm. Then why was he firing the gun so much? He was emptying it. That's what I thought, too. That's what we came up with. He's emptying the clip so the other version doesn't shoot him. Doesn't shoot him. And also, I don't know if... Because his mission, his his objective... The protagonist. The protagonist moving backwards. Right, right. His objective was to get to the turnstile. Yes. And so also, as he's unloading the gun and emptying the rounds, he's also doing it on the side... Of the protagonist that is opposite the turnstile. So every time right. he shoots the gun, he moves a little closer to the turnstile. Moves a little closer right. to the turnstile. Right. That's a very good observation, Matt. That's a very <laughs> good observation. He's shooting the opposite side of the turnstile so that they have to dodge towards the turnstile. Right. He's just getting closer and closer and closer. And then obviously also he's emptying he's the emptying gun the so clip. that it can't be used against him. And then yes. once the protagonist does get it, he just takes it apart. And this is also, I feel like, a good time to talk about, because in that scene where reverse protagonist is fighting forward protagonist, forward protagonist stabs reverse protagonist with a lockpick. That was a cool touch. And it's the things I loved in the movie was that because the reverse protagonist is moving backwards, he has the wound before he gets stabbed Mm -hmm. because it has to be there to be taken away if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and but like two days before he's like oh my arm hurts yes and in those moments like when they're about to go out for the mission and he pulls on his jacket and there's a hole in the jacket that matches up with where he's hurting on his arm Mm -hmm. it gives you like chills like you kind of like just get that sense of like, oh God, like, what does that mean? In that sense, you can remember if you remember the fight from before. But there's another example of that earlier when they're in the highway in the scene car. where there's just a crack in the window that no one really notices and you realize, oh shit, that's going to be something. Yeah. And that feeling you get when you notice those little things was so good to me. It's like you just get like a rush of adrenaline. Because this podcast is going to be like almost as long as the movie, and the movie is two and a half hours, so I hope not. I kind of want to jump to the the final set piece, which involved one team moving forward in time. Red. And a separate team moving backwards in time. Blue. So that they could do what's called a temporal pincer movement. The earlier team gets all the information so that the second team can go into the mission knowing what to expect. Right. But because of that, that means that both teams are on the field at the same time. It's just that one team's moving forward, one team's moving backwards. When I tell you that the first time we watched this movie, I actually like exclaimed like, yeah like when the (laughs) scene started i was just so excited because it was such a good setup and you've just the whole movie has been building to this moment right 
this moment is what Christopher Nolan wanted to create, right? <laughs> so you have just this amazing mission of trying to stop this this algorithm from being buried so that the world doesn't end. And I'm not going to go fully into detail on like how it all works, but you had Cat trying to stall the villain. You had John David Washington and knockoff Tom Hardy that was Aaron Taylor Johnson <laughs> moving forward in time. And you have Robert Pattinson moving backwards in time. And just watching all of that kind of. unfold was a treat. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, Matt, that this movie adds an extra star to my rating because I got to watch a building get blown up in reverse oh and God. in forward motion at the, at the same, same time. time. It was so cool. I cheered in that moment <laughs> because what happens is both teams, the one moving forward and the one moving reverse, have it planned that at five minutes they're both going to shoot the same building to create a distraction. One team will shoot the top, one team will shoot the bottom, and they count it off and they fire and there's just a shot of a building completely like rebuilding itself and then exploding again mm-hmm. that you just have to see to believe. It's amazing. <laughs> and was a practical effect again. Yep. It wasn't a whole building. It was a miniature. But still, you get that feeling that it's real. Mm-hmm. So what, what were you feeling during that scene? That's one of the scenes that I had to go back and watch multiple times. Mm-hmm. What, because... With everything happening at the same time, right? the the red tags and the blue tags were kind of genius just to kind of orient the audience to, hey, these right. people are moving forwards and these people are moving backwards. But then Neil doubles back and then yes. he's moving. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Neil in a minute. I just want to give okay. you a heads up. Okay. I think he's the key to everything. Yes. The fact that he is moving backwards and then moving forwards and then moving backwards again and then moving forwards. It was a lot to keep track of. Yes, I agree. While while it was going. It was just a phenomenally choreographed set piece that, like, the amount of planning that has to go into making a sequence like this, let alone a movie like this, Yes, is just, is, is very, very incredible. And the thing is, I... We're sitting here just praising the shit out of this movie. I need it to be known that there are quite a few faults. And one of them is in that scene, just not knowing exactly what's happening. Like you said, who are they shooting at? I still don't know. I've seen it twice. Like, I know that the villain has henchmen and shit, but you barely see them. It's almost (laughs) like they're in an empty town just running around and exploding things. (laughs) Which to a lot of people, that's all that scene was. That's fine. And whatever. But I just felt like that was such an amazing, the whole movie built up to it. It really delivered what you've been wanting to see the whole time, I feel like, from this movie. And so I felt like that was such a great big ending. And so I would say that we should talk about whatever you want to talk about. I want to talk about Neil. Okay, Neil is Robert Pattinson's character, and Matt wants to now give you his TED talk on why he's the key to everything. <laughs> Not necessarily the key to everything, but like he yeah. he was there from the beginning. You find out when you see him walk away at the end of the movie and he's got yes. that little washer tied to a red string on his backpack. Right. 
Did you catch that in the in the opera scene that he's the guy yes. that saved the protagonist? He yes. And that he's also the guy who unlocked the door at the end and got shot in the and head. Died. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that he is Max Cat's son. Okay, why do you say that? Maximilian. Spell Maximilian backwards. I can't. Can you tell me? M A X A M L I E N. That's one way to spell it, Neil. Short for Maximilian backwards. I have some questions. Okay, hold on. Hold on. The whole sequence at the end where he's like, hey, you're the one who recruited me. You're the one who hired me. For the me, protagonist this is, hired Neil. Right. Yeah. For for me, this is the end of a beautiful friendship. For you, it's just mm-hmm. the beginning. Yes. Hey, are you going to go check on Cat? No. Even from a distance? No. And then the protagonist does. Mm-hmm. Like He knows all that is going to happen because he's lived it. What I want to know, because I really like this theory. I really like the theory, okay? I like how you just said Maximilian. Is that actually the kid's name, or is it just his name's Max, and you know that it could be long for that? They never say in the movie that his name is Maximilian. (laughs) But Max is short for Maximilian, and in that... It can be. (laughs) And in that, in like Russia, Estonia... That's how you would spell Maximilian with an E-N instead of A-N. I really like that theory. So I'm just going to accept it. <laughs> Neil is Cat's son. Well, And he also has a master's in physics that he says. Sure, he would if he was being like pseudo-raised and like groomed for a role in Tenet. Yeah. Neil really was, to me probably just the best character like especially Mm -hmm. watching back to it a second time the first time you meet neil he's just a contact that the protagonist is given so that he can get the protagonist where he needs to get who knows that the protagonist doesn't like to drink on the job and then when he says i prefer soda water and he says no you don't it implies that they have like a separate relationship they use the excuse of you need to have information in our line of work because they're spies. But, and that's what you take it as the first time. Right. But watching it again, you realize Neil knows the protagonist. They have an actual relationship. And then obviously that's just flat out told to you at the end of the movie. But the reason I'm telling you, if you watched this movie once, maybe when it came out, maybe, you know, recently, and you liked it. You didn't like it. Whatever. I really think you should watch it again, preferably with subtitles, because there are a lot of things that, you know, work a second time. And that's what right. Nolan does, right? And so Neil being the son, that's also something that, like, Nolan would do. And, and it's it's just a cool way to, to just you know, wrap every character into things. Right. Well, and to have this one character who is moving through the entire storyline backwards without the audience realizing it. They say at the end, this whole thing has been a temporal pincer movement. Right. All of it. Right. So it's like, you know, that's that's a clue to that too. And, you know, it makes you wish that if that is for sure a thing that Cat's son was in the movie more, but, I mean, I said to Kristen, I wish they would just let 
Nolan make the four-hour movie he wants to make, you know? <laughs> right. Just do it. Whatever. Like, <laughs> people are going to like it or not like it no matter what. So right. what star rating would you give this movie? Go first. I We talked a lot of praise in this podcast, and if it wasn't for the fact that right now we've been recording for over an hour and 15 minutes, I would go deeper into some things. I did not think that the characters were super strong. I said that already. I'm not going to go way too into it. I felt like there were many times where I felt the editing of the movie was fairly disjointed, even in a dialogue scene. It was like, what are they cutting to? Like, what are they doing right now? You know? And so there were, like I said, everything that's great about Nolan in this movie, everything that's bad about Nolan in this movie to the extreme. And so after doing all my calculations, I came to three stars and I liked this movie, but I felt like just some of those things, just, I didn't like it. You know, I feel like there are times when this formula that, that we've been using uh-huh. works accurately yes. most of the time, really. Yeah. And then there are times when it just doesn't, which I want to say we're going to have to do like either an episode or like a short bonus thing where we just go over where we that, explain it, where yeah. we explain how we're getting our star rating. So I want to make sure people know we're going to do that eventually. Because sound in this one. We, way down. Way down? Because to me, there's there's no category for the score. So I kind of loop that into sound. And the that's score was like seven stars. <laughs> yeah. I, I No, that's a good point. Yes. The score was amazing. Yeah. So it's, so it's hard to it really... Yeah, I get it. I think that everything was as good as it needed to be okay. in order to make the movie effective. I'm just going to say it's five stars. Yep. <laughs> There's Matt, baby. There's when I, Matt, when baby. I, <laughs> when I divided everything out, I yes. did not come up with five stars, but I can. You looked at it and you were like, I don't like that. It's just like when you're trying to decide between two foods and you do eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and when you land on it, you're like, no, I don't really want that. So you get the <laughs> other thing. That's what happened to you. Yeah, yeah. No, this, I, I, I understand people's criticisms and I hear the yeah. flaws. Yeah. But I don't care. Like, I go. loved this movie. And guess what? Our opinions don't matter. <laughs> That's the thing. Would you recommend this one? Absolutely. Well, yes, I would absolutely recommend this movie, just like I would recommend Inception or Interstellar. It's just not something that I would recommend to like, oh, sit down and watch a movie. You don't watch the. I mean, you watch it for fun, but it's not something you like kick back and relax and throw on. Vacuum like, your living room and just put on Tenet in the background. <laughs> right. Yeah. Th- this is like some of my favorite movies, like a lot of Nolan movies, this is one that you really have to sit and pay attention to and follow. Yeah. I would say for recommending it, it's a yes and it's a no. So it really comes down to what you watch movies for. If you watch a movie for like the concept and like the plot, 100% watch this movie. If you like character-driven movies that are all about getting into the details of who these people are like human interaction and stuff don't watch this movie (laughs) if you're somewhere in the middle watch the movie 
because <laughs> I, I just feel like mostly watch the movie, but if you like do not want to just watch a movie that's all plot, don't watch it. We didn't even talk about what we thought about like performances or anything, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll they have were to as do... good as they needed to be. No one, <laughs> no one in this movie, no one in this movie is winning an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> but they yeah. got, but they drove the story forward, and the point of the movie was not, like you said, it was not character development. It wasn't the interaction of relationships. It yeah. was. I want to get to a point where there's an action scene moving in forward and reverse at the same time. That's right. All right, so there it is. There's Tenet. I hope any of that made sense. There was Tenet, <laughs> and there will be Tenet. As well, yes. I feel like I'm going to go to edit this, and I'm just going to give up. <laughs> no, but we'll see how that sounds. But you know what I want to talk to you about right now? I want to talk to you about how... I've been trying to be more active on our Instagram. That's what I want to talk about. I want to be more interactive for our listeners, people that don't listen, but just follow us on Instagram. And recently we did a poll and we have more ideas for more polls like this. The poll that we did this time was I took six directors and I put two of their movies head to head and you had to just pick what's your favorite of those two. Ooh, and can I... Yes, you can play, and I also want you to try to guess what you think the people that took the poll picked Ooh, of okay. the two, because there were, you know, a good amount of people taking it. It was kind of fun, and I hope everyone is going to do it in the future, too. So, starting off, we have David Fincher. Okay. The two movies that went head-to-head were Fight Club and Seven. So, which one is your favorite of the two? My favorite is Seven. Um, everyone is going to have chosen Fight Club. So that's right. There were a few people that chose seven, but overall, 77% of people chose Fight Club over seven. I, I love Fight Club. Yes. And the m- more I watch it, the more I think about it, I think it's a little bit overrated. It's an amazing movie. But I love it. I'm not, I, I think. <laughs> I like whatever. seven more, too. I, I also think seven's my favorite of the two. Nolan, we've got Inception versus Interstellar. Inception for both. No. So Inception's your favorite, but more people picked Interstellar. That one was probably the closest. That was the closest one. We had How many people voted? That was a total of (laughs) 13 people on that. (laughs) But 58% said Interstellar. So then we go to Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Black Swan versus Requiem for a Dream. Black Swan for both. Black Swan is your favorite, but an overwhelming majority no. picked Requiem for no. a Dream. No, nobody wa- nobody likes Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Everybody likes it. No one wants to watch it. It's got 78% picked Requiem for a Dream, which, Matt, you're shaking your head, but you have to take into account the idea that some people may not have even seen Black Swan, so they Black picked Swan's the one so they've seen. Good. It was very good. I remember us watching it and you being like, that's going to win the Oscar. As if a movie like that would ever win the Oscar. Spoiler, it did not. <laughs> and now I know what you're going to pick for this one. Greta Gerwig, we've got Lady Bird versus Little Women. Ooh. I think Lady Bird is my, was my favorite of the really? two. Really? Yeah. I, I love Little Women. Little Women. I loved Little Women, but I loved Lady Bird. 
Um, and I think Lady Bird was probably the audience choice also. You are right on that. I, I think right more people that. saw Lady Bird because yes. Little Women came out like as COVID was happening. That was 86% of people said Lady Bird, which you also have to keep in mind the first one, more people voted on that one. And as you go down, less people voted. But also oh, okay. that one, I feel like, like you said, there were less people that had seen Little Women maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I think people skipped that one too because they didn't want to choose one. Also, I feel like Lady Bird is a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. So please go watch Lady Bird. Yeah. It's so good. It was good. It was really good. So now the penultimate one, we've got Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Okay, Matt, so I'm going to break your brain here. Hook. You have to pick between Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. My favorite? Yes. E.T. And what do you think people said? E.T. Yep. E.T., 62%. That one was also close. I feel like, you know, there's that part of you that's like, okay, Raiders maybe is, like, the more famous, like, film school kind of choice, but E.T. has the place in everyone's hearts. <laughs> and then last one, I thought this one would just be funny to is it have Burton? this director. It's not. Oh. Gore Verbinski. <laughs> the Ring <laughs> versus Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you compare those <laughs> that's what's funny about it to me <laughs> i like imagining the people that were like who the hell is gore verbinski oh he did two movies i've seen <laughs> i don't i don't even you gotta pick one, Matt. What's your favorite of the I two? I genuinely love both movies. Yes, but like well, they're you not pick even. Your they're not even. <laughs> they do have a connection, Matt. Gore Verbinski directed both of them. <laughs> I'm I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> this one's the one that broke your brain. He looks kind of like he's crying right now. It's almost like I'm torturing him. Pirates. Yep. <laughs> I, I thought you would pick it. I mean, it's a good-ass movie, especially the, but it's, that but first it's, one. Well, the first one. Yes. Now, what do you think everyone picked? Pirates. That's right. 75% of people picked Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I, I, want it, I want it known that I do love The Ring. Oh, yeah. Only three people, including me, picked The Ring. But <laughs> part of it's because it's like, I have to pick The Ring. But, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's just they're they're both on another level with each other. I so, voted yeah. for Bolt. He d- yeah, well, Bolt wasn't a choice, Bruce. <laughs> Bolt is always the right choice. Well, like I said, unfortunately, on this, you would have to pick either The Ring or Pirates of the Caribbean. You can't pick uh, Bolt. All right, well, fuck you. Bye. See ya, Bruce. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Can you go watch Bolt now? All right, so, Matt, thank you for taking the poll. And also, <laughs> thank everyone else who took the poll. And check out there's going to be more stuff being posted on our instagram let's run that back because i'm actually going to be giving it attention so is Kristen. so that's how you know it actually will get done our website is looking great we've got our contact us on there let's run that back.com go on there and contact us if you think there were plot holes with the time travel intent i genuinely want you to email me because i want to know what it is okay and I also, if you have overall thoughts that you either agree with us and want to 
just write in saying you do. Or if you want to be like you guys are idiots, <laughs> write in. But also keep in mind, our opinions don't matter, and so neither does yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's our next episode, Matt? What are we watching? Bolt. We are not watching Bolt. What are we actually watching? <laughs> We're going to be watching Cherry. The new movie with Tom Holland from Apple Plus. Is it on Apple? Apple Plus, yeah. Apple TV Plus. All right. So we're going to be watching Cherry next. I hope that any of this was understandable. (laughs) And you have a great day if you don't have a headache now.